Hey, this is Bruce. I'm the pastor of the Word Church, Kimberley. I'm so glad that you're joining us on our podcast today. I trust that Jesus will speak to your heart, that you'll be strengthened with faith, and that you'll experience the breakthrough that you're looking for. Enjoy the message. So let's let's open our, our Bibles. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you get a Bible. Get a get a Bible. Read your Bible. Read it with a pen. Get a set of highlighters. Get a notebook. You know, color it in. Go through go through it like crazy. Read it. I actually think the the amount of heresies coming in the church today, crazy things, is a result of people don't read their Bibles. They don't read their Bibles. You would be surprised if you would just read your Bible, how how you would be protected from heresies, from from crazy things coming out in the pulpit. You'll be you'll be surprised uh, if you just read it. How it just comes and guards your heart, protects you from nonsense, protects you from going onto weird and crazy doctrines. And there's a ton of them today. There's a ton of crazy doctrines. Okay. Um, Universalism is a, is a big thing today all over the world. I just thought it w- we'd say something because I've got a lot of universalistic friends. Is that right? And sometimes people associate, oh, he's friends with that guy, so he must be a universalist. We are not into universalism. We're not into inclusion. We are not into exclusion. Some people think that only a select group of people are going to be saved nonsense, or if you come from some kind of tribe, nonsense. Everyone who believes is given the right to be children of God. Amen. And so I think, I said it last year, but it's really time to preach the gospel. What happened to the gospel? What happened to the gospel? You know, why aren't people preaching it? Like, I don't want to say like we used to, but where's the passion? Where's the revelation? Where's the awe for the gospel? What could possibly be more important in this world than, than the, the story or the fact that God became man to take on your sin, to take on your sickness, to redeem you, to deliver you, to give you his life? What could possibly be more important than the gospel? What can possibly be more bigger than than that fact? I just, there is nothing bigger than that. I just think sometimes we we lost our wonder or uh, maybe we've highlighted other other things that are important. Church should not get into politics. Like I said earlier, it doesn't matter who's president. Jesus is king. But we need to just rediscover it, rediscover the wonder of the gospel. Amen? I've just been... Just thinking about that scripture again, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, God loved me, God loved you, that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting, eternal, never-ending life. Amen? Wow. Wow. And at a time, you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Amen? And I think we need to look into it again. All right, so it's, new, it's a new year. Um, let's go to Luke chapter 5. Lucas 5, 
Luke 5, we'll start there. And verse 36. He told them a parable. No one turn, tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old garment. Okay. All right. Imagine buying new clothes to fix an old garment. Okay. That's what he's saying. Doesn't make sense. I've, I've patched up clothes with other okay with other old clothes, but you never take a new garment and patch it onto something new, okay? Then he says, um, if he does, he will have torn the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. Instead, the new wine must be poured into new wine skins. No one after drinking old wine wants the new, for he says the old is better. Um, my pastor taught me, he said, Bruce, every time you read the scripture, you got to try and treat it with a new attitude. If you, this morning we quoted John 3.16, and all of us know it. But if you approach the scripture like I've never heard it before, I've never heard John 3.16 before, you'll be amazed at how much life, how much inspiration comes just from that verse if you don't, if you don't treat it as something old. You treat it as brand new. And so we are new creations. We are not, we are not uh, new, just new people. And if you gave your life to Jesus two years ago, uh, you didn't become a new creation then, and now you're an older new creation. <laughs> you are a new creation, and you are constantly new. Isn't that good? You are always new. And so in order to, you are a new wineskin, you are a new uh, pair of clothing, if you want to uh, see it that way. And then therefore, you are receiving new, fresh revelation all the time. Amen. But you need to know that you are new. Say, I am new. I am brand new. Okay. And so when the word of God comes, we need to, we need to treat it like it. And now we've got a lot of new people that come to our church um, this morning. And I, and I think if we were, we were to treat that every time we came together, is to always be ready to learn something new and never to enter a new season with an old mindset. You know, never to enter a new season in your life with an old mindset. Sometimes we've taken things for granted. And what God really put in my heart uh, for, uh, for this year is, Bruce, you need to, to prepare people because I want to do something new. And, uh, and I want to move like never before. Well, maybe not like never before, but I want to do a new thing in this city through these people. And, and if we just treat it like what we've seen or what we want to see, I don't think we'll really experience the new. We had a conversation in the, in the band last week, and uh, 
uh, we were talking about doing new songs or doing old songs. And uh, some people like to do, some people enjoy the new songs. Who enjoys new songs? Okay. Who enjoys old songs? Okay. And some people park in the old and some people park in the new. Okay. And it's amazing to me. Maybe I'll just add this verse. Let's quickly go to Luke chapter 17 uh, or 15. It's one of those ones. Luke 15 or is it Luke 16? Or is it? Oh, Luke 16. Uh, Stefan, just, just the scripture in the King James Version quickly. And I want you to just quickly see verse 8 on my point about where we're going. Uh, Luke 16 verse 8. Jesus tells us parable about a, a shrewd servant. Okay. The Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And that is a, no, stay there, stay there. That is a problem to me. Let's just read that again. The children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Don't, do you agree with me? That's wrong. That shouldn't be right. That shouldn't be the way that, that uh, we do things. But you know, I don't know how many guys get around to different churches at a time of my life. I was what they call a floating trophy. I would then be in the one church and then be in the other church for a little while, then go to the next church. And everybody had, had Bruce in the church for a while, a good floating trophy. But you know, it's interesting. Sometimes you go to a church and you see they're still stuck in 1970. Come on, have you seen that? And it's just like we stick to the old. And this is the way we do things. And I'm not trying to say we need to now look at the latest stuff. And No, it just means the church needs to be on the front foot. And uh, every now and then, you, there needs to be a shaking a Martin Luther that comes and smacks 95, what's a 95 thesis against the, the door. If it weren't for Martin Luther who did that, we would still be paying for purgatory to go into heaven. You'd, what, what you'd have to climb on your knees on the steps to, is it to St. Peter's, just so that you can get your family to heaven and that you can get to heaven quicker. And every now and then God sends a man of God and he shakes the church with truth. And he says, wake up church, you got stuck in, in the past. And, and it's like, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you saying to the church? You know, um, what, where are we going as the church of Jesus today? And who is the church? We are the church. You are the church. Amen. So um, I feel it's time for another revolution. Amen. How many of you guys have seen the movie Jesus Revolution? It's here. Wow, so many haven't seen it yet. Um, maybe we should, uh, should we do like a movie night? And we watch it here at the church. And you see at what happened, uh, the, the, there were these hippies. What was it? The 70s, 80s? When was it that? 70s. So in the 70s, there was a big, big hippie movement. And the hippies were like the rejects, you know. And uh, God started moving through the hippies. 
God started moving through the hippies. And the churches were like stalk stave. <laughs> the notice says they were haughty. <laughs> okay. But God started moving through, through, the, through the hippies. Guys, this, this revolution made it to the front page of a Time magazine. Okay, listen, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. Is if a Time magazine has to acknowledge, goodness, God is moving. What these guys have is amazing. And uh, I'll just share one of my favorite parts in the, in the movie. Is there's this preacher who is caught in between tradition, he's caught between keeping the people happy and, he's, and between, um, between a new move of God, a fresh move of God. His daughter is miserable in church. His daughter is like, this thing is, is bringing no life, you know. And, uh, and she says, uh, I don't want to give the whole movie. She basically says, um, I'll, I'll pick a hippie off the street and I'll bring him to home. And then whatever. And this whole thing happens. And she picks up this hippie off the street who happens to be this guy called Lonnie Frisbee. And he is sold out for Jesus. He's on his way to preach to the hippies. And he brings this hippie into this preacher's. She brings the hippie into the preacher's home. And the pre one of the conversations he says in his conversation with the preacher, they start talking about the hippie movement. And he said... He said something. He said, all these kids, they're looking for the right thing in the wrong places. And he says, is your church a right place where they can find the right thing? And that preacher's jaw just drops open. He's like, wow. He invites him to church. And uh, the guy's got no shoes. I don't know if you know what the hippies look like. We'll have to watch the movie. And the Dikerkraat ho next off funny. Everybody is already upset because of this hippie who's come to church that, that, uh, that morning. They have a, a conversation with him at the end. He says, no, this, this can't happen. The next Sunday, he allows him to preach in his church, to testify. Uh. The next Sunday, there's 20 hippies in the church. <laughs> and they're finding Jesus. They're finding Jesus. A beautiful, beautiful thing that happened. And uh, after the service, the, the Karkarat, what's that church board, comes to, to speak to the pastor. And he says, Pastor, we've just put in new carpets. We can't have these hippies ruin the carpets. I thought this was great. So the next Sunday, the pastor stood by the entrance of the door and washed everybody's feet and let them come in. thought it was great. And the, the, but the Kerkrat, the, forgive me for those watching, the church board just walked past and wouldn't have their feet washed. And they walked in because they were clean on the outside. But God was doing something new on the inside of these people. And I think we need a shaking like that again. I think we just need a, uh, to get a hunger for, for God, for the things of God again. If you pick up the book of Acts, 
and you read the book of Acts, what was happening there was revolutionary. It was changing the world as we know it. It spread through, uh, through Israel. It went over the borders. It changed the world as we know it. These guys would stand in front of kings. They would stand in front of governors. They would be thrown into the theater to fight with beasts. They gave their life for the gospel. Have we become complacent? Have we boxed it in to a ritual? And have we put God in a category? Where is the kingdom of God? And what he had planned for his church is something that's got to change this world. Amen? Don't you just feel like when you hear this, you want to get off of your seat and run through a wall or just, <laughs> just do something? Because I really feel as time the church latches on to the truth and goes for it. Amen? Amen. All right, just a few scriptures. And, uh, and we can take it from there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So there's a, there's a saying that says, the world is yet to see what one man can do totally sold out to God. I think we've seen that. We've seen what one man can do when he's totally sold out to God. We've, obviously, we have the example of Jesus. We have the example of Paul. We have the example of Peter. We've seen what one man can do that is totally sold out to God. We have yet to see what the church can do. We have yet to see what can happen when a church comes together and truly believes, truly believes, and gets together and runs with it. Let's go to Acts, uh, Acts chapter, chapter 3. Or is it 2? It's one of them. Yeah, Acts 2, just before 3. Verse 42. You guys. Acts 3, verse 42. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now, I just want to say that in, in, for it to be church, church includes, this is just a portion of what church is. Coming to church on a Sunday to hear the Word of God taught. It's just a, a, just a portion of what church is. You know, and we've, we've said that this, is, that this is church. No, it is part of what church is. But number one, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. You know, I mean, the Cook sisters in that time, the budget was really big because everybody <laughs> stayed behind after the service for a Cook sister. <laughs> okay, for those who don't know, that's what we do here at this church. You, you leave the service and you go straight and you get yourself a cook sister. But to fellowship. And in order for the church to truly function, it requires us to, to have a, a, a bigger dedication to one another. A, a openness to vulnerability. To, to show people who you really are. To be okay with just being yourself in and amongst people. You know, we're good at coming to church with our church faces on and our church clothes. And uh, everybody knows us just like that. But in those times, the people were real people. And they, and they devoted themselves to the teaching. And they devoted themselves to fellowship. Amen? To fellowship. And so 
we found this problem where people just come to church. So people have reacted to that and said, no, we're not the church. This is not the church. We need to do it at home. And so people stopped going to church and they started having home groups at home and stuff like that. That is also only a part of it. That's not the full picture. The, the, the apostles and the disciples, they would go almost daily. They would go to the temple courts in big numbers, hundreds, thousands that they would gather, but they would also go home um, and meet with one, one another at home. Um, one of the reasons that this church is so strong in, is if you will find a great sense of, of unity um, amongst those who do dedicate themselves to one another. Uh, if someone is ill, those people are there. You'll see the same people there, um, not because they're special, it's just because they're devoted they, and, and they are humble <laughs> to, to meet up. Amen? So this year, come on, go to a home group. Amen? Go to a home group. It's okay if, you, if your language, if you still swear, if you still not polished on the outside. Just go. Nobody's polished. Just go and meet with other people and learn that we need each other. I mean, that you have gifts and that I have gifts. I have weaknesses and you have strengths and vice versa. We're there to complete one another. Amen. And so he said to the breaking of bread, to prayer. And verse 4, it says, uh, 43, reverential awe came over everyone. And many wonders and signs came about by the apostles. The next couple of verses we'll touch on in another time. But um, verse 46 says, Every day they continued to gather by common consent in the temple courts. Right now, to me, that sounds exhausting. I, I don't know if I will come to church every day and have meetings. But that was the kind of revolution that was happening. The world was changing. So can God do something like that? Yep. Breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number every day those who were being saved. Wow, God, do it again. Do it again. Pour out your spirit again. Wake the church up for this time. In Jesus' name. Wake me up, Lord. Wake me up. So, um, with that being said, let's go to, I think Anya's scripture was really relevant. I'm going to do, uh, let's just quickly read 1 Corinthians 13. One Corinthians thirteen. So verse one, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Okay, there's one. So What's the first one? Speaking, let's just call it speaking in tongues. Let's just say that, okay? Number two, if I have prophecy and I know all the mysteries and all knowledge 
And if I have faith so that I can remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away everything I own, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I receive no benefit. Now, I want to just park on those few verses. Let's, let's talk about what, what we call revival in the church. Who will go to a church where when the people pray, mountains are moved? Come on, just be honest. I'll go. Who will go to a church where prophecy is going? Well, well we know all of you will come to that. Okay? We'll come to that. Or, or where mysteries are, you know. Um, he goes on to say, he even speaks about martyrs. He says, if I give my body, um, give away my body to be burned, the one translation would say. Martyrs, I want to give my life. I'll die for him. You know, we've seen all of that. And it's come in, in like cycles of revival. And we see, we see revivals happening, and then we see, boom, it stops. And it happens, and then it stops. And it happens, and it stops. And I'll tell you why it's stopping. is because we have, not, we have not chased after the real, well, we have not chased after the heart and the motive of it. He says, and if I do not have love. And, and I really feel that when we're talking about the church being completely sold out to God, we're, we're not necessarily speaking about a church that has miracle signs and wonders. We're not necessarily speaking about a church that is moving in the prophetic. We're not necessarily speaking about a church that prays in tongues and uh, gives their life as martyrs. We're speaking about a church who loves. Come on, I'm going to say this again. We are speaking about a church that loves. And until the church can see that this is what God really wants, we will have revivals that come and go, come and go. You'll have preachers that move in the gifts and then fall hard because they don't have that motive. And it doesn't mean that those things are wrong. No, those things are godly. They are precious. They are gifts. But if the church does not get the real motive, the real heart for ministry, for people, you're going to have and you're going to lose. You're going to have, you're going to lose it. You're going to have it and you're going to lose it until we get to the point where we love one another. Amen? It's the, it's the, it's the most basic, most simple thing. But it's everything. It's everything. It's everything. Are you hearing me today? Are you telling me I must love? No, you don't have to love. Come on, I'm going to teach you how to love today. It's the right, Lucas. Okay, we're not going to be long. We're nearly done. Uh, John 13. If you want to do yourself a favor, go read John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. These were, uh, if you would like, 
Jesus' last interaction with his disciples before the cross. So everything that he said there to his disciples was like the biggest amount of uh, the, the, the best advice that he could give to them in that time. I was once at the, at the a bed of a dying uh, man of God. He was busy dying. And this man saw many miracles, wonders, and signs. So many things. And I was standing at his deathbed. And uh, he looked to me. And I was waiting for this word. He was going to tell me, Bruce, you're going to preach the gospel all over the world. You're going to do more miracles and signs and wonders than what I have done. And they, but that's not what he told me. He looked at me and he said, Bruce, no matter what you do, love your wife and love your kids. <laughs> and that's what he said. And I realized, goodness, that is the information that he gave me. But this is what, what Jesus did in, in John chapter 13. He got his disciples around and he washed their feet. And he instructed them, now you do what I have done. And the church has missed it completely. And now we have special services where we wash one another's feet. How many guys have been at those services? Can I just um, use that the feet wash to the service? We, I'm not going to do it yet. We won't be doing it yet. And I'll explain to you why. I, I think that it is right if we understand the, what Jesus is trying to teach us. But wash... You didn't walk here and with sandals. You didn't go through the, through the dusty roads. And that's what Jesus became the least to wash their feet. Today we wear shoes, so there's no need for your fingers to go through my toes. Over here. <laughs> he was talking about serving one another, loving one another, helping one another. So I can wash your feet as an act, as a sign. But there is, no um, there is no significant thing happening when you wash someone's feet. The significance is when you love and you become lesser to help, lesser to serve, lesser so that they can be greater, lesser. That's what it's about. Is this okay? John, John 13, verses 34. Thank you, Yera. I give you a new commandment. Wow. So we've had the Ten Commandments. And Jesus says, listen, I'm going to give you a new commandment. To love one another just as I have loved you. This is beautiful. Beautiful. Love one another as I have loved you. Um... Adrian, you must love Donato as Jesus has loved you. <laughs> what does that look like? Can anyone help me? What does it look like? Don't you think it's a bit extreme? How is it even possible to love Donato. <laughs> the way that Jesus has loved me. How is that even possible? 
You know, the, the law, the law kind of made it possible because he says, love one another as you love yourself. And so even that was difficult because who loves themselves, yeah? Who, when you got into the mirror this morning, said, yeah, you beautiful thing, you. Who loves themselves? <laughs> Except the Nata, yeah. But even that was tough. But Jesus raises the bar and he says, I'm going to give you a new commandment. And I'm going to say, this is how you ought to love one another from now on. The way that I've loved you. I've washed your feet. And it was in the context of, of washing feet. But we know that Jesus even further exemplified what love for one another is. And he says, there is no greater love than for a man to lay his life down for his friends. Now, how the love dynamic works is this way. If I look to the cross of Jesus and I understand that equals love, that means I have to die for him. I don't want to die for him. But if I can get in my relationship with Jesus aligned, that I understand how much he loves me, it's just God loving him through me. That's all it is. I now understand what love is because I've let him love me. I've opened my heart to receiving. Jesus died for me. The son of God. God became flesh and he died for me. Not because I'm beautiful, not because I'm amazing, because he loves me. And he saw me and he thought I was to die for. <laughs> Amen. And now because I understand that's what love looks like and I can receive that love, I can extend it to someone even of the likes of Donato. Amen. Three more scriptures and we finish. John, we'll stay in John, verse 15, uh, uh, 14, verses 15. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. It's quite interesting. Um, we, we, we try to get it the other way. We want to obey the commandments to show God that we love him. So what is his commandment? To love one another. He's not saying that, hey, if you want to prove your love to me, you must do what I say. No, he's saying if you have a relationship with him, you will automatically obey his commandments. The love will, will naturally flow from you because your heart is aligned with the Father. You've allowed him to love you and you love him. All right? Amen? Ah. <sighs> Did we even read? We didn't read uh, 13 verse 34, so I'll just read it for you. Love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. And um, everyone will know this is how you are my disciples. Amen? All right. And then I just felt to add these ones with you guys for closing. Thank you, Jesus. I had so much that I wanted to say, but let's read this quickly. 
verse 50, uh, chapter 15. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it remains in the vine, so neither can you, unless you remain in me. You cannot love one another if you are not in Christ. The, the, the love of God will flow from you if you remain in Him. Amen? Uh, verse 9, Just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Remain in my love. If you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you so that my joy may be in you. Uh, this is just off of, the, um, just off of the, the topic a little bit, but it's Jesus from John 15, uh, from, verse, uh, from 14, 15, and 16, he promises you three things. He says, I'll give you my joy, I'm going to give you my peace, and I'm going to give you my love. My joy, my peace, my love. I could do with that. Amen? All right, let's, let's finish up here. In chapter 16, And we're going to read. Ek wil eindelijk hier met dalk rechtwees om oor te gaan na die Amplified vir die vers. But let's just read it in this translation. Um, verse 25, John 16 verse 25. Uh, verse 26, excuse all right, let's read together. Uh, John 16, verse 26. At that time, you will ask in my name, and I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I want you to see something beautiful here and uh, in this whole love thing that we're speaking about. Verse 26. At that time, you will ask, pray in my name. And I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. Look at what it says there. For it will be unnecessary. Stop there. It will be unnecessary. God wants such a relationship with us in the church that we can ask him anything. And he's, you don't even, you know, how many guys have got siblings? Who's got siblings, brothers and sisters? Who's, who's got a... Who's got a sibling that you know is the favorite one? Or who is the favorite one? Okay. So if you want your parents to give you something, you don't ask because you know they're going to say no. So you tell your brother or your sister, just go ask mom to see if we can get this stuff going. Okay. And you know that if they ask, but this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying at that time, you will ask in my name, and I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf, because it will be unnecessary. Why? Next verse. For the Father himself loves you. And I think we need to get, uh, get this whole thing right. Love, obviously he loves us first. We love him. And the sign of us obeying the commands is that we'll love one another. 
and we can approach the throne of God boldly and we can ask anything. And we can say, Father, here I am. Let's do this. And I, I, maybe what I'm trying to say today is we can push for another revival, another outpouring of the Spirit or another amen for the outpouring of the Spirit, but more signs, miracles, and wonders. Or we can, we can push for the heart of God, which is that love will really be a part of our culture in this church, our, our DNA, that we will, we will be able to love one another when it's not going well, love one another when it's going well, be ready to go the extra mile for everybody. And uh, I think God's going to do something great. Amen? What's it going to take from you? Some vulnerability, some sacrifice of your time to get to know one another, to spend some time, you know, yeah, to uh, yeah, spend some time after service. I'm, I want to encourage our our team get to know some new people today. Um, don't don't hang out with the same people all the time. Get to know some of the people. Uh, get to a home group. Yeah, come to prayer meeting. Um, I'm not saying commit your whole life to to what's happening here. Get just get involved. Be, become part of the body. If you're going through something. If you're struggling with something, tell someone. Tell someone, yeah, come speak to me. I'll, I'll connect you with someone if I can't help. But let's, let's go for what God wants to do in this church and in this year. Amen? Amen. Turn to your neighbor. Say, I love you. Okay. Ask them if they love you too. <laughs> For some of the singles, yeah. Now's the time to strike while the iron is hot. Okay. Must be smart. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, let's 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 pray. Can you put on just some some music or I don't know whatever? I think it's I think it's time. Let's start the year fresh, new. If you're if you're harboring offense, bitterness, question where you're questioning somebody's motives, where you're. Um, Oh, goodness, if you've been hurt in the church. Listen, if you've been hurt in the church, it's actually really healthy. Because if you can get over that, you become stronger, I'm telling you. If you learn to forgive, to turn the other cheek, you let go, you become stronger, okay? I think it's time uh, to, to let go of reasons why you shouldn't and, uh, and to learn from Jesus who... Who would die for people even while, pray for them even while they were smacking nails into their hands, into his hands. So let's, let's pray for that. So Father, I thank you. Your word says in 1 Corinthians 14 that we are to desire the gifts and pursue love. Forgive us where we have pursued gifts 
and not considered love. And uh, where, we've, where we thought loving gets too messy. Loving is, is where we get hurt. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that we will, even like, like Mother Teresa said, love beyond the pain. Love till it hurts. Because if we love till it hurts, there can be no more pain, just love. And I pray can, for, for that love that you spoke about, that it will manifest in your church, not just this church, church worldwide, where the, where the world is in so desperate need to see the real, like we quoted, they're looking for the right thing in all the wrong places. And that the church can be the place where they find the right thing, where they find the love of Jesus. That even, yeah, there's people today that are looking for the right thing. And that today, it will not be met with religion. It will not be met with more chores, more duties. But that it will be met with the love of Jesus. Father, let your church burn with the love of God. Let them experience the love of Jesus. The redemptive love of God. Reverence. For the Father, reverence for Jesus, that we'll look after it, that we'll cherish it in our homes, in our relationships. And Father, every parent's desire is for their kids to even love one another. And I can only imagine that that is your ultimate desire too, is to see a church that loves one another. Yeah, and I pray, Lord, that we'll see We'll see what you see <laughs> and be able to love and be able to be loved, allow to be loved. And thank you that you hear us because you love us. And I pray into this year, into 24, that we will not just keep repeating the same years but we'll be the church that actually steps into what you had imagined from the beginning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I trust that message blessed you. Please feel free to contact us for any prayer requests or feedback. We would love to connect with you. You can follow the Word Church Kimberly on any social media platform and become a part of our online community. Be blessed.